Good evening, uh, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to this service. We are right into our theme for this year, uh, love our neighbor as ourselves. And this is the great commandment or all the greatest commandment of God. Uh, and uh, in talking about loving our neighbor, it started with the household of God, the people of God. And then it goes beyond anyone we come across who have needs and uh, we extend our help to them. And furthermore, the Bible tells us that we are to love our enemy. And very often our enemies are those who are associated with us, who are related to us, whom we have interaction, deep, uh, deeper interaction than normal. And uh, that creates uh, relational conflicts uh, time and time again. And uh, especially in a church situation, because if you are working for your boss, your boss say nasty thing, even really hurting you because you are paid. And uh, so you take it until such time you find a better employment. But in a church situation, we are all volunteers. We decided that this is our church. And so some of us felt in this kind of environment, uh, we thought, why should I take this? offense uh, or, or these words that seems to be uh, spoken against me. So I will quit. I will decide to go somewhere else. See, so this is uh, the kind of problems that has always existed uh, from the beginning. It happens in the ministry of Jesus when the disciple thought what he said is hard to swallow, they left him. It happens in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So uh, in our study in time past, we talk about the Corinthian church, how Paul had such a conflicts with the Corinthian church. And uh, so we, this is human problem. Wherever there are human relationship, there will come conflicts and, and problems. And I heard some people trivialize this kind of problem. They say, oh, you know, this is a bad thing. You know, the relationship is, is, is not working out. This is a bad thing. But good things came out of it. Yes, it may be true because of the mercy of God, because of the faithfulness and greatness of God. God will work things out for His good. But we do not want to trivialize this kind of uh, uh, problem and create this problem and say, oh, it works out well. God will still judge those who create problems uh, to, to bring destruction or, or division or weaken His church. 
you look at the story of uh, Judas Iscariot. Look at uh, Mark 14, verse 21. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. That means he will die on the cross. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. You know, it was a good thing that Jesus uh, died on the cross for our sin. And that's why we are saved. But Judas, his courage, his disciple, betrayed him. But then again, it is written in the Bible that he should go in such a way. And yet Jesus said, woe is that man. Uh, it is better for him not to be born than to do such a thing against the Son of Man, against Jesus. Though as a result, good things came out. We are saved, church is established. But woe is that man. Uh, uh, who betrays the Son of Man. Okay, so facing this kind of uh, relational conflicts, particularly in church, how do we love our neighbor? How do we face this situation? You look at 2 Corinthians 13. Verse 11. Remember the context of the Corinthians, the, the epistles of Corinthians? Paul was writing to them because of the conflicts that is in the church. And there was such a division. You know, there are people who say they follow Peter, they follow others. You know, they don't want to follow Paul. And, and there are others who Paul, follow the apostle Paul. So there's such a division in the church. So much so that the founding father, the apostle Paul, was rejected. And, and he, he suffered such, such hurts, grief in his heart and in his spirit, that he even had to stop ministry. You know. So we, we need to be aware. Sometimes we, we treat our leaders as if, they are, well, we just, they are here to serve us and, and, and we take them for granted. We don't realize these people, the servant of God, those who are chosen by God to serve us, they, they too are human. They too have emotion. And the Apostle Paul could not minister, even though the door was open for him, for ministry. But he said, no, I can't. I can't carry it. He need a break. You know, if we look at the statistic of ministers in, in, in this kind of profession who suffer mental, uh, emotional breakdown, the percentage is, is so much higher. And many of these ministers quit because they cannot uh, take this kind of uh, accusation or, or this kind of wounding. So, remember, God will judge. God will 
judge. So, so I don't want us to trivialize uh, this kind of accusation attack against any leaders, and uh, and just say, oh, God will work out a good thing. No, if you do that, God will judge you, right? So. Despite of all those problems, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, wow, after so much so much uh, conflicts and hurts and wounds and, and, and accusation and defense, and he said, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So Paul, despite all this, strive for full restoration. That is what we're going to talk about uh, to learn this evening. Striving, yes, to bring restoration in this kind of messy situation. Restoration will come at a price. Peace will come at a cost. And peace always comes at a cost. So striving, there, is, there will be great resistance, opposition, and uh, attack. It is, it is hard work. It is, it is tough. And I am absolutely amazed at the Apostle Paul. He says, strive for full restoration. I think many of us will have given up and said, that's it. And uh, sometimes I can be cynical in my own attitude when I face this kind of situation because it seems that there is no solution. It seems that people are, are, are determine or, or set their mind and heart to, to just do what they want. And there's, there's nothing, well, as if there's not much you can do, right, to, to help this kind of situation. So I, I get cynical. I say, okay, in my heart, in order to protect my sanity, I say, okay, fine. I've done my best to protect the church, to preserve the unity in the spirit. But you want to come and, I'm not talking to a person, I'm talking to myself before God about the person. You want to come and, and, and divide and destroy the church, go ahead. This is the church of Jesus Christ. You know, it is not my church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. God will judge you. You know, so it's, it's with that kind of uh, uh, encouragement to myself so that I will not be bound and bogged down by, by this kind of negative activities so that I can keep looking to God and keep serving God. You know, whatever you want to do, well, I cannot control, but you will face uh, the, the, the situation. But Paul, Apostle Paul, this, you know, with what is going on, he, he said, strive for full restoration. Amazing. You know, you got to, I, I, this is the first time I really appreciate these words because we look at the things in its context. So the, the, the hurt is deep. 
And Paul, during the process of time, said he will discipline, he will punish those who sin. So can you see the severity? You know, I, you know he, he will use harsh words. He will use his authority, if it need be. But yet, despite of it all, despite of all the nonsense that's going on, he says, strive for full restoration. I people who, who, whom I'm dealing with, they meant well, you know, but they have no understanding of human emotion, human behavior, and the complexity of uh, conflicts. You know, when we talk, deal with a problem, it's obvious what some party just resists, just rebel, and just insists in their own way. And at the end, you know, there's no solution. There's no good, good ending. In the end, you know, the person who meant well say, oh, pray, pray. You know, we think that prayer is the answer as if prayer is God. When there's no repentance of heart, there'll be no restoration. So in order to bring about restoration, Paul used the word striving. It's hard work. You know, it is conflicts, working through the conflicts and uh, in order to bring about full restoration. But that is always the goal. There's no other way out. There's, this is always the goal in Christ. As we learned last week, to be a peacemaker. To bring about restoration, to bring about peace, healing in the relationship. That is always always what uh, we want to establish uh, between relationships when, when, when there's conflicts. I know there are times that's not possible, but, but we always have this in mind. The unity of the church, uh, uh, the testimony that we have before men, uh, and uh, the well-being, the true well-being, the people, because God wants us to learn. God wants us to grow through the experience. So if you're asking, you know why God allowed this? Yes. Because it's through it we grow, we become mature, we become perfected. So there is another purpose. But the thing is, when we go through that process of dealing with relational problem, we start with the goal in mind, full restoration. And this is so contrary to, to what uh, people think today. You know, they say, well, if it didn't work out, we just part. As if it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's a trivial matter. Yes, maybe times we need to do that, but we always strive for full restoration. So, what does the process of striving for full restoration uh, involve? What do we need to do? We know it's hard, we know we have to fight for peace, fight for restoration. And uh, we look at the example of Paul with the Corinthian church. And this process takes a long time. 
it take at least three visits. Paul come, Sovet couldn't get any further, go away, come back. You know, at least three visits. You know, in those days, it's not like we drive a car five minutes to get there. No. You know, they, he sailed off. And then in between time, he write letters, sometimes severe letters, sometimes rebuilt, admonition, you know, and uh, to deal with the problem. And then he comes again, do as much as he can to bring about, uh, to, to sort out the problem. And then he, he need to go off and then, and then to repeat this, the, 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 the thing and hoping that eventually, eventually full restoration will come. But the process, maybe there are people that he need to discipline, and he get the church to discipline the person. There are other individuals, other people who are there to influence and divide the church. You know, they have to cut them off, separate themselves from them. You see, so the process is messy when we talk about full restoration. And we need to understand that. So that we will go through. We will not find the easy way out. Out of fear. A lot of times people out of fear, they don't want to deal with problems. They say, oh, never mind. Okay, you know, let's just pray about it and let's move on. Well, if you can be that kind of person, well, you are the rare one who just forget about things and, and move on. But for many people, the root of bitterness, the hurts is there. And they will continue superficially. Oh, they say, okay, never mind. You know, but inside, it continues to brew. It continues to stir them. And they begin to influence others. They begin to, you know, some people, have you, have you, Known people, when they speak, you know there are bones of contention there. You know, there are words beyond those superficial words that is being uttered. You know, when you know, you, you, you know that kind of thing. Paul, is, Paul doesn't want a kind of superficial, apparent peace and, and, uh, because that is not unity. That is not oneness. But Paul says, strive. Strive for food restoration. And at this moment when he wrote this letter, there was still no ends in sight. He's hoping that things, well, things seem to be getting better and better, but there's still no ends in sight. He has to pursue the matter and, and deal with it to the end so that the, the root of the problem is removed, so that the church will not be uh, Destroy in the days to come because of, uh, of some of these roots, bitter roots that's there. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians 13. Let's begin with verse 1 and 2. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be, separate, uh, must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sin 
earlier or any of the other. Quite some severe words, isn't it? But he begins by saying every matter must be established by testimony of two or three witnesses. So we got to separate what is facts from what is our interpretation, our, our feeling, our perspective. We must be separate what is facts. And to establish the facts, it takes a process, you know, because during the conflicts, there are things that is said most of the time is half true with the wrong interpretation of what happened, you know, because the heart is already defiled. And so they look at it from that uh, defiled heart and see things in the wrong interpret things in the wrong way and judge others. So that's why we have to establish the facts. And with two or three witnesses, we're not talking about a gang with few people and then they talk the same language. You know, that is, that is, that is not facts. This is just people who gang up together, who wants to uh, strive to win not strive for rest, restorations, to strive to win. We are talking about really establishing the facts, okay, uh, so that we can resolve the problem because truth is being twisted. And then discipline those who cause division. We're talking about church. We're not talking, uh, there is order. There is, there is order in the house of God. That's why Paul said, I already gave you a warning during my second visit, and I now repeat, you know, I will not spare. And in fact, he said, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the other. In loving our neighbor, we talk about forgiveness. Is Paul here refused to forgive and those who have sinned earlier, now when he comes, if they do not repent, he will still uh, deal with or punish these people. And uh, so we understand that discipline is necessary if we want to bring about wholeness in the church, uh, full restoration. And uh, so that's why the, the, the process towards uh, full restoration is it's tough, it's messy, you've got to fight and deal with it. And in order to, to separate facts from feeling, and there are times we really have to separate ourselves from those who are instigator, those who are uh, out there to twist truth and half slandering, and they have a self-agenda. And these are the people who defile many with their root of bitterness. And uh, that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 and 34, Paul says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So be careful, you know, people we associate with. Don't be too self-presumptuous that you will not be influenced. Because the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And these people who are whom you are close with, befriend you, and, and they keep talking about negative things and uh, things that they interpret, it will get into your spirit. It's just like you keep coming to listen to the Word of God and really receive the Word of God. It will influence you because you're receiving the good Word of God. And as a result, we are taken by our emotion because we are related to them, we are good, good friends with them, and, and it's easier for us to believe what they say than anything else. And that's why Paul continues to say, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Come back to your senses. They don't know, they lose their senses. They think that this, this is right, this, you know, the friend says this and so on. Come back to your senses. And then, for there are some who are ignorant of God. You see, these people who come to you, we're talking about church context. People who come to you and who are there to uh, divide, are there to slander, are there to pursue their own agenda, they will use the Word of God. They will use, you know, talk so as if they are so spiritual, as if they know the Word of God. And if you are ignorant, you'll be taken in. But of course, those of us who are rooted in the truth, who knows the truth, who are mature, we will not. We will probably turn around and rebuke them. And deal with them in an appropriate way that will bring about full restoration. But unfortunately, there are people who, who just have good intention, but ignorant of God's way. You know, who, who wants to be good to their friend, and so they sympathize with them rather than discerning what is the truth, what is the motive, what is the spirit behind it. Because behind every divisiveness, there is demon spirit working, not Christ's spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Because we know the Word of God has clearly told us we are one body. We are to preserve, uh, to live in peace and uh, unity, to be peacemaker. This is God's way. So in every conflict, we started with this in mind. But if you're ignorant of God's way, so you're taken uh, in by the emotional uh, inference, friendship inference, the Bible describes it as bad company. So you fall into the trap. The Bible says, come back to your senses. Come back to the truth. Come back to God's way. Proverbs say, walk with the wise, you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. If you are not careful, 
you associate with these people, you will suffer harms. So do not let our emotion get carried away, but come back to our senses and separate from those bad influences. Galatians 5, 7 to 9 says, You were running a good race. Who cuts in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So you see, you know, we, we may undermine, we may think, oh, that's just a person, that's just uh, a little problem. A little yeast, a little bitter root that is being... Um, that continues to grow, that continues to speak and, 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 and pursue its purpose, a little ease will affect the whole dough. And some people, they, because of their relationship, because of their influence, uh, their, 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 well, their bonding with the person, they don't want us to deal with this kind of problem. Because if we really deal with it, we have to discipline the person. We have to probably even remove the person. But today in church, you know, it's as if anyone, they make the decision where they want to belong, what they want, uh, what they want to do. You cannot judge them uh, from their ways and come to a conclusion. You know, they, they think that church is, is about them. They make the decision, not you. And, 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 and you offend them if you, if you tell them whether they belong or they don't belong. But the Bible says a little ease. You've you got to remove it. Because if you don't, it will affect a lot more people. Right? So, so we see these people, they... Some of these people, they go around. Oh, they talk, talk, talk. And, and, and they, they, the, the things they share, you know, there are, they are, they are poisons you know, being released here and there, uh, despite of what they say. You know. so, so it's difficult, I understand, you know, as pastors sometimes, because there are too many parties involved. So somehow, you know, I must admit, we don't follow the scripture because, well, to, to, to the latter, right? We don't follow it because uh, we are afraid that it will cause even a greater problem. But, but, uh, and, and we are concerned about people whom we try to protect. And uh, so it's not easy, it's tough. Striving, striving for full restoration, right? So that's the uh, first thing we got to establish what is facts from feeling. The second thing is we got to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. Do not be presumptuous. Those people who are so caught up in the emotion, in the midst of all these problems, they think they are right. But they've never examined themselves. You know, it's just the emotion, it's just their, their feeling. You know, they think they're right. But Paul 
continue in Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, talking about how to bring about full restoration. He says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fall. You fail the test. Paul is talking to Christians. If you ask Christians, is Christ in your heart? They get offended. But the truth is, one time Christ was in their heart. But now demon spirits are filling their heart and, 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 and stirring them up and to cause us uh, slander, division, uh, to, to, to justify themselves. And, and God is not in their mind. God is not in their heart. Because all they want is to win their argument, to justify themselves. They don't care about the church. They don't care about others. So can you see, demon spirit obviously is working. So that's why Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. In the faith. Because when you are in the faith, you will want to protect the household of God. When you're in the faith, you will trust God to work things out. Not you rising out and think that you're God and begin to do things your way and deal with the things your, your way and bring about division and slander. When you're in the faith, you trust God. That through it all, you know, our job is to follow God's way and God himself will begin to work and... and, and and do work out what is best for, for his church. And we better not fall into the trap and the snare of the devil and be used by the devil to cause uh, destruction to the family of God. So, so we can be so quick to judge others and not examine ourselves. And how do we examine ourselves? He said, test yourself. Test yourself. When we test ourselves, that means we go in depth. Not talking out of our little superficial understanding, our emotion. We test ourselves. And when we test ourselves, we bring ourselves under others who are qualified to, to help to test us. Just like in school. Teacher is the one who gives the test. And teachers can test whether the, the, the students know what uh, they, they have really learned the lesson. But if we were to test ourselves, a lot of times they just people just gather among their gang and they talk and talk, you know, agree with one another and add salt and, and pepper <laughs> or uh, to the to the fire. That's not testing yourself. But testing ourselves is we are being truthful. We want the truth. We want what God wants. We want to hear from God. So now I put myself, I open myself, I present myself to be tested. I humble myself to learn, to listen, to listen. To see whether my ways is the right way. Test. 
So we need those who are more mature, those who are higher, to test us. And those whom you think is higher may know nothing. They may be your elders in the family, but do they really know the word? Do they really know God's way? So, so we, we need to find the right people to allow ourselves to, to be scrutinized, to be tested, to see whether you have fallen from the faith. Yeah, when you are in the faith, you will protect. You will learn. You will grow. You will humble yourself. And then, to see whether you are in Christ, or, or whether, no, to see whether Christ is in you. Let's look at that verse again. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fall, you fail the test. You know, when Christ is in us, how do we deal with this problem? We deal with it in mercy. We deal with it in love, in humility, in gentleness. And uh, so, can you see the spirit of Christ is different? You know, I talked to someone about their church in KL. And their leader would just go to other church and rebuke even the pastors and so on, thinking that they have the right doctrine and others are not doing God's work. Well, let's leave the correctness of the doctrinal issue aside. But the spirit of the person is wrong. It's not the spirit of Christ. It's not the spirit of humility. It's not the spirit of love and restoration. Right? So some people, they come. They come to, you know, we, we want to deal with the problem. They, they didn't come with the spirit of Christ. In fact, they come with the spirit of Antichrist. They want to destroy the pastor. They want to, want to destroy the leader. And uh, so... Test yourself. See whether you're in the faith, where the crisis in you. Unless, of course, you fail the test. That means we can, we can fail the test. Don't say that, how dare you say this to me? I'm a Christian. Well, so what? It's Christ in you. It's the spirit of Christ in you. We mentioned a lot of times believers are the ones who are used by Satan. Right? So when we have the Spirit of Christ, you know, you, things will end up well because of the Spirit of Christ. And uh, so if they go through this process, what happened? Your perception of things will change. Some people, no matter what you say, how, however you present the truth, no, I don't feel this is right. I don't think it's right. It's all I I, I. Their minds is shut. 
His spirit is hardened by stubbornness and rebellions. And uh, there's nothing you can do with them. In fact, the right thing is to cut them off. There's, there's, there's no common thing between, between ourselves because obviously another spirit, the person has given themselves. Just like Judas Iscariot, coming back to Judas Iscariot. You know, Jesus said, you know, Father, those you have given me, I protected them all when I was on earth, except the son of petition. Couldn't Jesus protect Judas like the rest of the 11 apostles? He couldn't. He couldn't. He protected all except this one. He couldn't because this one is determined to be used by Satan. And God will not overwrite the freedom of choice that is given to us, but He will judge. That's why we read earlier on, woe is you. It's better you, you were never born. Okay, so when you begin to see the truth and you begin to understand the ways of God and, and you allow yourself to be taught, you're teachable, you, you, you learn your perception of things will change. That's why it will bring about restoration. Because now you see Christ. Now you come back to Christ. Now you are in Christ. So remember, you can fail the test. And so, what happened? Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 7. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. So, when we, uh, sorry, before we read verse 7, let's go back to verse 6. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. You know, previously they they, they ridiculed the apostle Paul. They rejected him. They say, what kind of apostle is this? And so on. Can you see? You, you know the background, right? But now, Paul says, if you have gone through the self-examination and, and, and if you have the Spirit of Christ, he said, I trust. Uh, you will see that we are different. You will see that we are, we, uh, we, we are in Christ. We are the apostles of Christ. You see, when we allow God to work in us, there will be a change of our perception about people and about things. And we'll get it right. We'll get it right. And because we get it right, we'll do things. We'll decide what is right. Look at, this is the, the, the verse that we just read. Uh, we pray that you will not do anything wrong. But, that you will do what is right. You see, so when we change our perception, we allow God to deal with us, we examine ourselves, it changes everything. It makes full restoration uh, possible. You know, so Paul's heart is that we may do the right thing. The people of God may do the right thing. The Church of Christ may do the right thing so that we will be a good testimony 
uh, to the world. Okay, so we will stop here uh, at this time, but we will continue this process of full restoration, striving for full restoration when there is a fallout of relationship. Particularly, we're talking about the church, we're talking about the people of God. So I hope this will enlighten you as it does to me because I've never looked at this portion of Scripture in such a way, in such details. And I trust, I believe the Spirit of God is revealing things and make things clear uh, for our understanding because this is, this is such a necessary truth, teaching that we need to know in order to learn to love our neighbor, love our enemies, love the family of God, uh, so that uh, the church of Jesus Christ will be strong, will be united, will be built up to come against the real power of darkness that we need to fight against. So uh, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for teaching us how to love our neighbor, how to love those whom we're in conflict with, especially in the church, so that the unity among us in the body of Christ will be preserved, so that we will strive for full restoration. And Lord, we thank you that in the midst of it all, you are working deep into our hearts to want us to grow, to want us to mature, to be like you in, in the whole process uh, of uh, working, striving for full restoration. Bless your people with the Spirit of God, with the mind of Christ in us, so that we will embrace your words and, 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 and follow your teaching, your instruction, in dealing with the problems that we face. And we pray that good will come out. Good will come out of every conflicts, every problems, and your name be glorified. Your people doing the right thing bring glory and honor to you. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next time.